Hi, you're listening to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at koldodi.org or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com forward slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. As we look at the story of Jonah, I was just thinking as I was sitting in my seat earlier, you know, a title of this, how about the pouting prophet? Because really, that's what, what he was doing. Shana tova to everyone, have, we, may you have a sweet and healthy new year to come. Ketiva mechatima, tova. Uh, may you have a good writing and sealing on Yom HaKippurim, which is really what we're concluding tonight as the gates are closing and really as the time is short for all of us. It's growing shorter for all of us. So the book of Jonah is traditionally read in Mincha, the afternoon service of Yom Kippur, not the evening where we're talking about it right now, uh, primarily because it's of its theme of repentance when the body's weakened through fasting not when our bodies are now sleepy through bagels, eating bagels, some of you ate before. So I want to try to tell the whole story in a nutshell, and here it is. Little prophet, big fish, gulp, (laughs) vomit. (laughs) I'm sorry, we're sorry, the end. There you have it. That's the whole story. (laughs) There you go. That was pretty good. Synopsis, right? (laughs) All right. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, and it was the largest city of its day uh, and Israel's bitterest enemy. Uh, They were a cruel and savage people, but it's not clear at what point in history they were really so cruel and horrible to Israel. And we know later they're going to do a lot of damage to Israel. But God calls them the rod of his anger to punish Israel in Isaiah 10 verse 5. And had they previously perhaps been believers in God, I don't know if you realize that, the God of Israel, and then gone away from him, and now through Jonah the prophet, are coming back to him, are called to come back to him. Now why do we say that? Because Jonah 3.3, I'd never seen it before, but this verse says, now Nineveh was a large city to God, it says, Le Elohim, Le Elohim. Let's say Le Elohim. It's Le Elohim, really. Le Elohim, because you combine it. So, Ir Gedola, a big city, a large city, to God. There's no mention in their repentance, which happens through Jonah, of idol worship. No mention. No mention of getting rid of idols, discarding idols at all. Uh, so, there's a huge contrast to Israel between them and Israel. Israel, who we as a people rejecting our prophets, her prophets, and continuing, continuing to rebel against God, while Nineveh, with one through one's prophet's message, totally responds to that message and turns from evil to God. So it's an amazing story. 
And I believe the whole story is really, as we read the book, if you, oh, you know, you don't probably have your Bibles here, many of you, but if you do, when you get home tonight, I mean, it's on right here, two pages of my Bible, all four chapters. It's a short book, so I encourage you to read it tonight before you go to sleep. It's a condensed version, I believe, uh, that there's much verbiage, much emotion, much struggle and detail that went on between the lines. For example, it says that Jonah had already told them about his running away from God in verse 10 of chapter 1. So we don't know what he told them, but it says he'd already told them. What happened, we don't know, with Jonah during his three long days inside the fish's intestines or bowels is what the Hebrew word says. I don't imagine he smelled too well after that. What do you think? Because uh, that's where he was. It says dagadol, a large fish, a whale probably, digested its food. That's where he spent at least three days. We don't know what took place during that time. Well, we never hear what God told him to say. But he does, when he talks to them, he says in chapter 3, verses 2 through 4, he says, now 40 days, Nineveh is going to be overthrown. And Jonah seems to think what's going to happen to them is probably what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, when Abraham was praying, interceding for them, he thinks they're done for. I'm giving them the message, delivering the message, and bye-bye, sayonara to Nineveh. But it doesn't happen that way, does it? And so he becomes, what I just said, the pouting prophet. He really does. So it says in chapter 1 that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, rise, go. Let's say, kum lech. Very good. Kum lech. Rise, go to the great city Nineveh and call out to her, for their evil has risen before me. And so what did he do? He rose, Jonah rose, and he went to Nineveh, right? Is that right? No, what did he do? Yeah, he went in a different direction. He went west instead of northeast, which is the direction of Nineveh. Instead, he went west. And it says he fled to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, from the face uh, Milifne Adonai. Let's say Milifne. Milifne Adonai. Excellent. From the face, literally, the presence, the face of the Lord. He's trying to run from God. And he goes down to Jaffa. Jaffa is still a port today near Tel Aviv. How many have been to Jaffa? Oh, wow, a lot of you have. Wow, yeah, we're, that's great. And I can't wait to get back there. Love spending time there. He, that's where he went, to the port near Tel Aviv there. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, paid the fee, went down to go with him, away from the presence. It says this th- three times, from the presence of the Lord. Instead of him running to the sinners... He's trying to run from them. And I think there's a, a little even message. There's so many messages in it, but do we run from sinners or do we run to them? Not to sin like them, but to run to them with the message that we have of salvation, of a message of hope, right? Message to help them out of their sin. Don't we, have to, we don't have to run from them. We have a stronger message than their sin. And we were there once too. We're no better. Jonah heads the wrong direction. And the Lord, what does the Lord do? He hurls in verse 4 a forceful wind into the sea. And there's such a mighty storm on the sea that the ship was about to shatter. So God's in control of the creation of everything. You you can't run from God, right? You can't run from God. 
And do we ever try? I wonder if any of us have tried to run from the call of God. Have you ever done that? Try to run from the call of God? You can't outrun God. God is going to go after you. Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. Where can I go from your ruach, your your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there, King David says. If I make my bed in Sheol, hell, look, you're there too. If I take the wings of the dawn, settle on the other side of the sea, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will lay hold of me. Thank God he goes after us. God pursues us like the hound of heaven. Sir Francis Thompson's wonderful poem, he goes after us. Now it goes out down in verse 9. When they ask Jonah, uh, they realize that this storm is coming because of him. This whole mess is all because of him. And he's sleeping in the boat. They're trying to get rid of the water in the, in the ship and everything. He says, they said, who are you? And when he identifies himself in verse 9, he says, Ivri anochi, a Hebrew. I am a Hebrew. A Hebrew am I. And he says, uh, and the Lord, God of heaven, I fear. Adonai Eloheish Hashemayim Ani Yare. I fear him. This is who I am. His identity is as a Hebrew. Now, the, the root of our means the other side. Maybe because we come from the other side. But this is a, a beautiful message of who we are as as the people of God, you know, and as Jewish people, the Hebrews, from the other side. We're on one side, the rest of the world's on the other. A Jew is Yehudi. Whole message is in that, pray, meaning a praise to God, one who lives for God. But it's true of all of us in, as believers. We live, we're to live for God. We belong to the Lord. Well, Jonah identifies himself as a Hebrew, as one belonging to the Lord. And so he tells him to pick him up, pick me up, throw me into the sea. How did he know the storm was on account of him? Well, he just, we don't know, but he did. And he says, I know it's because of this, this great storm, is, is all, it's all my fault. So they cries to, to the Lord, they say they're going to perish, and uh, you know what happens here. The story goes on, and the end of chapter 1, they say, they cry to the Lord. They use, it's interesting, the, these people on the ship, Gentiles, the men of the nations, not believers in the God of Israel, cry to the God of Israel, to Adonai, the yud heh vav God's name is used, three times. They cry to the Lord, to Adonai. Please, Adonai, don't perish. Don't let us perish on account of the soul of this man. They, and they picked up Jonah, threw him to the sea. Then they became afraid because with, with, the sea is, is stilled. And they said, with an overwhelming fear of Adonai, and they offered a sacrifice to Adonai and made vows. So even in our disobedience sometimes, God might use that to bring people to faith. It's a mystery, but God used Jonah's disobedience, running from God, still to bring people to himself. And it's a mystery how God does that. Now what happens? God prepared, and this word is used four times in the book, this word for prepared in Hebrew, a great fish to swallow Jonah, and he was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, Maybe he didn't pray. I don't know if you ever thought about it, but if you notice the way it's written, he's in three days, three nights, and then he prays to the Lord. Maybe for three whole days and nights, he didn't pray. He didn't pray to God. Maybe for three days, he just fetched. That's a Yiddish word for complained. 
and groaned and cursed and maybe complained and just said, God, this is horrible and miserable. Or maybe he didn't say, God, only say, he just was miserable for three. We don't know. And maybe he would have been there longer if he hadn't had a change of heart and finally said, I'm going to call upon the Lord. I'm going to turn, humble myself and pray. The principle is this, folks. God has to bring us to the end of ourselves, doesn't he? And I don't know who said it first, but the end of myself is the beginning of God. The end of myself is the beginning of God. I like the verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. We were under, Paul says, great pressure, so far above our strength, beyond our strength, that we despaired of living. We wanted to die. We, were, we, had, we, we gave up. We wanted to die. We were in despair. In fact, we had within ourselves the death sentence so that we might, why? So that we might not rely or depend upon ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. That's why God allowed it. So we come to the end of ourselves and finally put our trust in him. And then what does he do? He who rescued us from so great a death will continue to rescue us, and we've set our hope in him, he will rescue us again. He's the God who did, does, and will. Past, present, and future. He's the God who delivers us. Amen? Thank God he does. That's Second Corinthians 1, the end of chapter 1. Jonah prayed. Chapter 2 says, he prayed. Vayit palal. The Hebrew root is palal. Let's say palal. You've heard of the word tefillah for prayer. That comes from this word, palal, root. And he prayed to Adonai from those, that belly or wherever it was, the bowels of that fish. And the Lord spoke to, then the Lord spoke to the fish. And it vomited Jonah onto the dry ground. God waits until we turn and cry out to him before he delivers us. Oftentimes. And that's what happened with Jonah. And he, in his prayer, by the way, is in chapter 2, and he quotes numerous psalms in this prayer. He doesn't have to, but notice, he doesn't have to rehash his sins. He doesn't have to go into details on all his sins. And if you're waiting for someone else to do that, you're not like the Lord. You're being different from God. If you're saying, I'm waiting for them to, to go into all the details of what they did against me before I'll forgive them. Well, you're being you're being very unlike the Lord because he didn't do that with Peter. He doesn't do that with you. And uh, you shouldn't do it with someone else. God, Jonah doesn't ever say that. Jonah it quotes the word of God. He does have a change of heart. We know he humbles himself before God. He reverses his course. He get, needs to give in to God. And this is what he does. The word palal means to bring together. Prayer. Prayer. What does prayer do? Prayer brings us together with God. It brings us into alignment with him to do his will so that now we can have his mind and we're yielded to him to, do his, to know his will and to do his will. God just wants our humility and our brokenness. Psalm 51:19. the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Chapter 3 the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, and I love this. Maybe this is my favorite verse in the whole book of Jonah. The word of the Lord, it says now, came to Jonah a second time. The Hebrew word is just shinei. It's just second, again, second, two, second, saying. And what did he say? The very same thing, the exact same thing. The 
God didn't change his mind. God didn't change his call. He said, rise and go. Kum lech el Nineveh. Rise and go to Nineveh. Rise up, rise, get up, go to that great city. Cry to it, the proclamation I'm telling you. The exact same call persists. His call upon Jonah's life is the same. God hasn't changed. If you've run away from God, his call hasn't changed. If you're alive to hear this tonight, his call hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. If you're hearing it, he hasn't changed his mind. It's still open. He's still ready. He's still waiting for you to respond and say yes to him. I'm going. I'll, I'll submit. I'll quit being proud, and I'll I'll submit to your and go your way, Lord. And so he says, "Cry." The Hebrew word "kara." Let's say "kara," "kara." It's an imperfect. You're going to proclaim against her, feminine, the proclamation "kiria" that I'm telling you. When I'm, it's a participle, "dover" in Hebrew. What I'm going to tell you, in other words, step by step, I will reveal. Our, the assignment will come as we obey, one step at a time. At the same time, just like with the Akita of Avraham. The step will come. you got to go one step at a time, and then I'll, I'll reveal it. And this word kara means to cause a change in direction. So God tells Jonah, you do it, and you start to go, and I will, I will give you what you're to speak to Nineveh. So he cries and proclaims strong, uh, in chapter 3 to the Lord, and uh, he, he says in verse 8 and 9, to proclaim strong, strongly to the Lord, El Elohim, he may turn from his burning anger. The king becomes a believer. The king of Nineveh, you know the story, they, they all did teshuva. It says shavu. Let's say shavu. Shavu. That's what they, it says in chapter 3 and verse 10. Nineveh did teshuva. They turned from their evil ways. They repented. They turned back to God. They went back to turn to God. And so that they could go forward. That's what it really means. And what, how did Jonah respond? And we'll finish with this. Jonah, it says in chapter 4, verse 1, it's an amazing thing. This whole city turns to God. And Jonah, instead of being thrilled about it, is upset over it. What? He said, I expected, I, but I said that 40, you 40 days and you're going to be destroyed and you're making me look bad here. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's why. I don't, we don't know why he was upset, but we know, well, we know because they were, you know, a cruel people to them, but we know that he wanted them to get their just dessert and it didn't happen. And this Hebrew word chara, chara, is used three times and this word for Jonah being upset or angry means to be selfishly, listen to this, if you get nothing else from tonight, get this one. It means to be selfishly sensitive. Selfishly sensitive. Never, never got that. But I dug deep into the Hebrew before that, tonight, before, for this today. That's what it means. It's angry. It's being annoyed. It's being disturbed. Are we angry or annoyed or disturbed when someone gets blessed, we feel should get the very opposite? Think about it. Are we? Jonah was upset at God showing mercy on those he felt didn't deserve it. Jonah was fine with God. He was doing fine as long as God did what he, Jonah, want, thought he would do. That's an immature baby believer, folks. That's someone who's a little baby. <laughs> 
I love you, God, as long as you do it my way, as long as you do what I want you, you know, what I expect you to do. But as soon as you don't do it my way, I'm going to pout. And so we have the pouting prophet. And if you read the rest of the story, you know, he ends up pouting by the, the plant that God makes and all this stuff. Is my relationship immature? Does my well-being and my, do my emotions depend upon God fulfilling my expectations? I'm happy as long as things are going my way. God asks him lovingly. He's patient with him, but he doesn't baby him. He says, is it good for you to be angry? Is it good for you, Jonah? Is it beneficial for you? Is it healthy for you to be selfishly sensitive? God's patient with him, but he's discipling him. He says, stop, stop feeling sorry for yourself, Jonah. Let's get on with it. You have a mission to fulfill, and I've assigned you. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some consider slowness. Rather, he's being patient towards you, not wanting anyone to perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. Second Peter 3, 9. There's a little different version of the story of Jonah. Father, we thank you for this story for us tonight, Lord that has so many wonderful lessons for us. Thank you for your love for all humankind and even for Jonah and for this beautiful story. Help us to learn from it and grow from it. In Yeshua's name, amen.